powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With multi-gig speeds now available, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. Limited availability in select areas. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Here are your hosts, Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. Raider Nation. What's happening? Great to be back here with you on the Raiders Podcast Network for episode number two of our new podcast, the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast, alongside a former Raider, Bucky Brooks. I'm Rhett Lewis. Great to be here with you, Buck. Great to be here with everybody. This is a busy week on the draft schedule. We are kind of taking in a lot of data, right, after the last two weeks of All-Star Game season. Senior Bowl's in the books, Shrine Game in the books, where we came to you from in episode number one. And uh, we're going to get to some of that here in this episode. But, like, this is, uh, again, in that stepping stone and that path to the draft. Like, this is, again, one of those points where we're looking back at All-Star Game season and then also looking ahead to Combine, which is on the way. Yes, it's here. It's crazy. Before we even finish up a season, we already have our eyes cast towards the next season. And, Red, you know the way the schedule goes. Right. You have the Super Bowl. Then two weeks later, we're at Indianapolis in the Combine trying to get it going, trying to figure out, who's who and what's what when it comes to the 2023 draft class. And so you're the Raiders, you're their personnel staff. Like, yeah, you have an eye towards what's going on and what's going to take place this big game on Sunday. But you're really digging into the process, trying to figure out, okay, who are the prospects that we need to know while also balancing how can we tack free agency and the trade market. So you have a lot of things going on at one time. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it's a uh, it's a big deal. And obviously, you know, looking ahead to what's going down Super Bowl Sunday with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Uh, I think that's something that maybe we should get into just a little bit on, you know, how those teams were built, how they got to the Super Bowl and maybe some lessons um, and maybe just some congruencies and similarities that we can find there that maybe the Raiders could look at in, in order to find themselves on this stage here in relatively short order. So we'll have that coming up for you. We got a little, another little edition of a Raiders mock draft. We last week mocked the first round pick, number seven overall, which we kind of both gave different mm-hmm. um, options, quarterback option at number seven. And now we'll do this, your second and third round picks, number 38 and number 70. So looking forward to those two. We'll also look into that wide receiver class. Um, maybe not quite as strong overall uh, as it has been mm-hmm. the last couple of years, but still some names out there that we should uh, that could pique the Raiders' interest, um, you know, perhaps beyond day one into day two, day three. So that's, uh, that is on the way as well. So let's dig in here and look right there, setting the table um, with, you know, with these top wide receivers uh, here in this class, because I feel like there's a lot of different opinions on who could end up as number one. You know, the way that I look at it now, Bucky, you know, Jordan Addison, I got Jalen Hyatt up there pretty high. The pre puts on mm-hmm. that kind of speed. And then Quentin Johnston are my top three. How do those three guys shake out? How, how do those three slots shake out for you? So it's funny because um, the debate that I'm having is with uh, Jordan Addison in terms of where does he fit? Because, you know, the thing that we're seeing, this draft class is so different because it's, it's, a, it's a line where you have a, a bunch of smaller, slender guys that are ideally suited to play for the slot, play in the slot. 
And then you have some bigger bodies that go on the outside. Their speed, uh, when you talk about Quentin Johnson from TCU being there, when you talk about Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee being in there, uh, the guy that I, I still believe is the best receiver in the class, even though he was hurt and missed most of the years, Jackson Smith and Nigma from Ohio State. Like when you Smith look and at Jigba? really, like, I, I I think I think he is the cleanest combination of things that you look for. I think he's an outstanding route runner. Uh, he's natural catching the ball over the middle field. He has great hands. You know, the thing that uh, if I was in a meeting room having to talk about him, the thing that I would have to answer for is he's kind of a one-year wonder. You know, he didn't have a lot of uh, production the first year. He didn't have a lot of production last year. But in the middle, he had well over a 1,000 yards. He had a ton of catches. He had a ton of big plays. Uh, yes, he was surrounded by outstanding talent when you think about Gary Wilson, uh, you think about Chris Olave, and on and on. But Man, the work that he does in the middle of the field, to me, is terrific. Um, when I go to some of the other guys, when I think about the UCLA standout, uh, he's a good route runner. He's a good playmaker. Um, he's very productive. I don't know if he's special. And I wonder about, like, when you're about undersized. Uh, not in Jeep Bobo. Oh, um, no. I'm talking oh, about Addison, about kid from uh, USC. Yeah. Oh, USC. I thought you said UCLA. USC. Yeah. No, you, USC. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if he, he's special in, in terms of like the speed, the burst. I think he's very productive. Uh, he won the Belitnikoff Award and did all the things that he did at Pitt. Uh, he had Kenny Pickett thrown to him, and they had a great chemistry and rapport. You know, he goes to USC, and he doesn't have over 1,000 yards, but there were a lot of miles to feed. Caleb Williams was figuring it out. There was still that late chemistry that was coming. Didn't dominate like I thought he would. And then I worry about some of the size stuff. And when I look at him in comparison to Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers to me is a little more explosive, a little more dynamic. And so I feel like this draft class is all over the place. But I will say we are in agreement. Jalen Hyde from Tennessee, I don't know how fast he is, but I do know everything that he catches, he is wide open and by himself. Some of that is a product of the offense yeah. and design <laughs> that Tennessee has. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody more wide open in the passing game than Jalen Hyde. Like every play, he's five, ten yards behind the defense. He's a uh, he's interesting. Yeah, and you know, I think the thing that I love about Addison, and I, and I think you're right. I mean, one of the biggest, I'll tell you what, what I love is his smoothness. Like he reminds me a little bit of Chris Olave uh, mm -hmm. in the uh, and that he runs routes and the way they kind of has that silky uh, movement to him. And but the thing that, yeah, he didn't dominate. And I really thought he would after winning the Bolitnikoff with Kenny Pickett at Pitt mm -hmm. uh, this past year and then going to a wide open, you know, an offense that we we talk about with Lincoln Riley that generates a lot of that, you know, you know, guys that are three, four yards open, um, as we saw when he was at Oklahoma. So, yeah, you just didn't see that um, a ton. You know, you didn't see that 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 kind of crazy Heisman worthy type of season that we've seen in the past, you know, from, from him at Pitt, you know, you go back to Devonte Smith catching 20 tuds. Um, mm -hmm. So like, yeah, just, it, it, that, that was something that you like for a guy that you peg up there at number one in the class. And we just didn't have it. Um, it it's interesting because I believe like when we get to it and we talk about like the top, what, 10 top seven wide receivers, I think we'll see these guys yeah. in a bunch of different orders. A name that um, I think so comes too. up is, 
like Josh Downs from North Carolina is in that conversation. Yeah. People talk about like a top five receiver. But then when I watch him, obviously it's my alma mater. I'm a Tar here. I watch him play and he's a very good receiver and he has quickness or whatever. The size thing. And so, Rhett, when we when we look at the league and we think about like what traditionally plays in the league, not many small guys dominate at that position. And so the league has seemingly become bigger and stronger. And those guys are, are, are able to break tackles and do things in space. Josh Downs, good player. I don't know if he's a great player. And so where he goes, a lot of it will be dependent upon the role that he's asked to play within a scheme that is friendly for guys of his stature uh, that like to work over the middle of the field. Yeah, and, you know, just going back to, uh, to kind of provide um, just some context, going back to our time at the Shrine Bowl, you know, like, you know, you think think about this from a Raiders perspective. And, and by the way, for me, to close out my top five, I'd have Jackson Smith and Jigba right there at four, mm-hmm. and then I'd have Zay Flowers at five. Um, okay. I thought that the thing that impressed me about Zay Flowers is the ball skills that he has for a smaller dude. Like, I've seen him go up and make some grabs, mm-hmm. you know, over DBs. You know, I don't know if you'd call them contested mm-hmm. type catches, but yet, yeah, he gets up there and he, he comes down with the football when you need him to, uh, even on deep shots. But the guy that, that is interesting to me from what we saw at the Shrine Bowl was Justin Shorter from Florida. And from a Raiders mm-hmm. perspective, like, you think of a big bodied wideout on the perimeter. You know, obviously, you got Devontae, who's just the best, period. You got Hunter Renfro to work the middle. Um, but, you know, but maybe a guy that you could throw it up to uh, or you can get loose on some of those deep over routes, kind of like what we see the Seahawks do with DK Metcalf. You know, it feels like something a guy with that body type that Shorter has might be something that's appealing as the Raiders try to build that that starting five in the wide receiver core. Oh, yeah, it's funny, um, you know, as you as you as you run down your list. So I'll go over my list. I had Jackson with the Nigba first, yep. Zay Flowers yep. second, Quinn Johnson third, Jordan Addison from SC fourth. And then Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee was my fifth. And, yeah. you know, the thing I'm, I'm looking at, uh, two of those guys are, are big. One's normal size. Quinn Johnson is huge. Kind of, yes. you talk about DK Metcalf, he kind of reminds me of that in terms of straight line vertical playmaker. Um, yeah. It has speed to burn. Uh, evidently in high school, big time, not only basketball player and dunker, but was a medalist as a jumper, a high jumper. So, you know, he can go and win the 50-50 balls, kind of take it off. Uh, the top of the backboard when they throw it up there. Um, he's someone. So it's, it's really interesting. Zay Flowers and Addison, that conversation is going to be interesting. I think those guys can play uh, similar roles in terms of being able to work inside and have those one-on-one matchups on nickels and linebackers and find a way to create space. Both of them are really good pass catchers. Um, you know, it, the combine for these guys will really be where you can kind of – we always talk about the cluster buster. This is where you'll yeah. be able to separate them because now we'll get verified times in their 40, but we'll get a chance to see them run routes, hopefully if they work out, behind one another so we can kind of sort out who are the A-plus route runners, who are the guys yeah. that may not be as polished but work because in looking back at the last couple of years, you talk about the two best receivers each of the last two years were the best route runners. It was Justin Jefferson last year who was very polished and smooth, and then the year before it was your guy, Cooper Cup. You know, it. Cooper Cup cool. got got open, you know, because we, we, we think about those guys and just, you know, the technique that's required, the, the craftsmanship that they displayed while getting over against all kinds of coverage and tricks and those things. This league is going back to the, the skilled guy having an advantage more so than the super athlete. 
Yeah, and that's that's an interesting piece of this because I I do think that Jordan Addison has some skills. Now, look, all right, that's a that you know we can get into this conversation, uh, you know, much more as we continue down this path. But I think all five of those guys that we're talking about, and we have the same five just in a different mm-hmm. order, they're going in the first thirty-one picks. So yeah. they're, they're, I think they're all first-round picks, including Zay Flowers. Um, I know that you've already mocked him into the first uh, 31. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was very high in our buddy Lance Zerline's latest mock draft. So I, I think all those guys are gone. So, like, most likely they're not Raiders, right? Because I don't think the Raiders are spending a first-round pick on a wide receiver. But, you know, you say that to think about, you know, where when the Raiders come back on the clock in the second round, you know, is there a guy, if 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 something makes sense and he's the best player on the board, you know, does that does that pique their interest? Um, I don't know. I think there might be some more value at the wide receiver position on day three, uh, early on day three, rather than in that day two uh, range where they're picking at 38 and then in the third round at number 70. So let's look at that right now. Um, so as we switch from our top five receivers into another little Raiders mini mock draft, uh, you gave C.J. Stroud to the Raiders at seven last uh, time we did this. I gave Peter Skaronsky the offensive lineman. Um, you know, it just if it, it feels more and more like the the quarterback could certainly be that that first selection. If it is, kind of really opens you up for options in the second round. Um, you know, we've talked about cornerback, talked about D line, talked about O line. I feel like I would go. You know, if one of those offensive linemen we saw at the Senior Bowl really kind of stand out, and I was thinking kind of along the lines of a guy like Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, mm-hmm. a guy that could give you some positional versatility, he's played left tackle, I think he could play right. Obviously, the Raiders don't need a left with Colton Miller, but maybe even inside a guard, too, in, until you kind of perfect the skill set out of tackle. I, don't know, I, I just feel like he's a guy that could give them some options to get the best five out there. You know, I, I think versatility is everything. Uh, when you think about uh, what Josh McDaniels and and what what they've traditionally coveted, little versatility. Uh, what you would like to be able to do is put your best five out there, and whatever the combination needs to be to get your best five in front of the quarterback and the running back, uh, you're willing to do that. And so, I certainly can see uh, your point when it comes to that. And then we think about like second, third round. There are always surprises, and there's always a run yeah. on offensive tackles. So then I think. East West Shrine game. I think Cody Mock from uh, North Dakota State as yep. one of those guys that you can't discount. Yes, he can play offensive tackle, but he appears to be able to kick inside and play guard. You now have a guy who can uh, fill a, a bunch of different spots, and when even you think took about, snaps at center. In yeah, and so and so that, that 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 versatility and and all of those other things, man, it just it just really comes in handy. And the more you can do the more it helps the offense because as you're trying to play musical chairs with this front line, you want guys with the versatility to be able to do a few different things. I could have a few different roles. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, if those, if the, the, that type of player is sitting there in that second round for the Raiders at 38, then that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, is there another position that you might consider um, in that spot? I mean, I think, I think we, we continue to talk about corner, but let's talk about corner yeah. um, in that class because when you're building your team, you have to build your team to win the division. Well, when I look at the division, the one thing that we know, uh, there are plenty of wide receivers and the quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson coming off whatever year you want to call that, he returned. You still have Patrick Mahomes that you deal with, and you got to deal with Justin Herbert. So you better have enough players in the secondary to be able to match up. And so I think at 38, Clark Phillips, uh, cornerback mm-hmm. from Utah, a guy who people are going to look at the size and say he needs to kick inside. 
but you're talking about a great athlete, uh, terrific ball skills, terrific one-on-one ability. As the Raiders want to commit to playing more man-to-man, Phillips fits the bill. I think he is a very intriguing athlete who, look, some would, would say not quite a first-round player, but he's certainly on the fringes. And when he tests, I think he's going to test really well, and that might change the narrative around his prospects. Yeah, um, I, I, I really like that cornerback position. I think there's going to be a ton of value there on day two just because, yeah, we're going to get a bunch of guys go in the first 31 on night one of the draft at Kansas City from that corner position. But there's just so many dudes this year that some of them are going to end up, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. falling into the Raiders' lap there in that second round. Um, so, you know, th- those are some options. I think you could still get, you know, either one of those options. You can still get a really good player in the third round. In mm-hmm. fact, I was kind of thinking cornerback, you know, in the third round when the Raiders come back on the clock. Uh, and one that might be interesting is another guy that was down at the Senior Bowl in uh, Julius Brents from Kansas State, mm. um, you know, is, is a guy that has a good, you know, he's got good size, got good length. Um, he can go up and get it uh, with the ball skills. And, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm into that. We're into turning the football over and, and getting the offense some more opportunities to score. Um, and so I, I think he's a guy that's really intriguing at a nice senior bowl week uh, as well and kind of generated some buzz there. And so in a crowded cornerback field mm-hmm. to get a player like that in the third round, and it, it, that would feel pretty good to me uh, at that point. So whether you go corner, corner in the second corner in the third O line, either one of those, I feel like you're in a pretty good spot there on day two. Yeah, you're definitely in a pretty good spot. And you know, a guy that's interesting to me, um, given your connection to the Big Ten. How about Riley Moss from Iowa? Um, yeah. Really, really good player uh, down at the Senior Bowl. You watch his footwork, watch how he turns and transitions uh, in breaks and, and those things. You know he's going to be a very sound player coming from Iowa because those are the kind of players that they produce. And when I think about Patrick Graham and a high IQ defense where you want smart guys who also have – an expanded toolbox so they can do a bunch of different things. He kind of fits, you know, he kind of would be a nice fit. You know, obviously you want to check and, and see the athleticism, but he's a really good, really good player. And when you watch him, to me, he's one of those natural guys on the perimeter. Yeah. I really, really love, uh, Rob. I mean, you just talk about a guy that uh, he is, and he is a corner. Uh, he is a, I mean, like you, you might talk about it, you know, the ability to play safe. That is a cornerback right there. He's got great mm-hmm. instincts for the football um, the type of stuff you just can't you can't duplicate and you can't replicate. You can't find that. You can't coach that. I mean, that's just that's something he has a knack for finding the football, a knack for getting his hands on it, and then going to score once he does, which we saw in that twenty one season. Not as much this past season uh, for the Hawkeyes. So there's some options uh, for us uh, for the Raiders on day two. Currently sitting with that second and third round pick among the nine overall selections in this year's draft. Okay, so as we move forward here on our Raiders NFL Draft podcast here on this uh, this second episode, let's take a look at what we're going to see on Sunday in Super Bowl 57 because I think it's always interesting to look at how those teams got there, how they built their team to get to this point. And for the Chiefs, look, it's been a, you know, the the build began years ago. Now it's like supporting it. Now it's like continuing to water the flowers, right, to help allow those those other branches to grow. Because when you've got the quarterback settled, you have so much more flexibility. And then when you've paid the quarterback, you also know how you need to build the team around it. And that's through the draft. And look, hat tip to uh, Brett Mm -hmm. Veach and the Chiefs personnel staff because they are getting some major contributions from rookies, both on the offensive and defensive side. Like, they're going to start two rookie corners. They're going to have another one that's a third-year player in Mm LeJarius Sneed. 
You got Karloftis up front, Trent McDuffie. I didn't even include in that. Um, and then Isaiah Pacheco on the other. You talk about a very, very talented collection of people, but you're right. It starts with the quarterback. And so for the Raiders, I think it starts with that. Going back to when Pat Mahomes was drafted, think about the imagination that you had to have if you're Andy Reid looking at that. Because when he was coming out of Texas Tech, he was all over the board in terms of draft boards, in terms of what the opinion was. He was a t- spectacular uh, talent, but he was a Sandlot player. At Texas Tech, he yep. wasn't an, a, a disciplined, traditional pocket passer. Everything was kind of all over the place. He ran inside and outside of the pocket. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury gave him a bunch of opportunities because they threw it almost every down. And then it popped. And then you have Andy Reid, who has a Pro Bowl quarterback already, and Alex Smith decides that, look, I don't want good, I want great at the position, but sees greatness in a player who was unrefined, takes him, redshirts him for a year, and then after that, like history is what it is when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, now you're the Las Vegas Raiders. You're looking at the situation where you're sitting at seven. You have an opportunity to get the quarterback that can take this franchise to the next level. You have to have a little bit of that imagination in terms of here's where we are, but this is what we want to do going forward. This is where we want to go. So which of those quarterbacks has that ability to help this team go to the next level? And so when we think at the top of the board with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hurt, whatever that is, it's the imagination of this quarterback within, if he's giving this supporting staff and this kind of instruction, he could be an A-level player quickly. And not only that, he can help us vault to the top of the division. Because remember, Kansas City's in the division. Justin Herbert's in the division. Russell Wilson is in the division. Your quarterback has to be able to go toe-to-toe with those heavyweights at the quarterback position. And so your imagination uh, is going to be working overdrive, trying to make sure that you find the right guy. You got to be able to elevate too. I mean, and that's what those guys do. That's what Mahomes does, and we saw that this year with the, you know, with with what he's done, you know, with the offensive pieces outside of Travis Kelsey without Tyreek Hill. You know, you've seen MVS make big plays, Juju mm-hmm. Smith Schuster. Um, you know, you keep kind of the list goes on and on. So, I mean, I think the quarterback is obviously interesting, and at seven, you know, are, are you comfortable with all three of those guys? You know, that are going to be the first three off the board. We think, right, Levis, Stroud and Bryce Young, or do you feel like you might have to go up to get the guy that you feel most comfortable with? I think those are all the questions. But once you figure that part out, then the rest of the pieces really come together. What do we want to do with Josh Jacobs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a part of it. And then identifying your foundational pieces, your blue chip players, right? Um, Devontae Adams, clearly one of those players. But you also want to find those players at marquee at the right positions, at the marquee positions. Quarterback, mm-hmm. we're talking about that is one. Uh, left tackle is another. And you know, Colton Miller either is blue chip at this point or is about to be, depending on how you want mm-hmm. to say it. I mean, either way, he is a foundational piece that you want to build around the offensive line. You've got it at edge rusher with Max Crosby, and you got another dang good one in Chandler Jones. Where's that Jalen Ramsey that we saw from the Rams who are kind of the blueprint yeah. for the blue chip players at the right positions, right? That's, that's kind of the thing that you want to, you want to identify and then kind of filling in the gaps around them. Right. And that's what we've seen the chiefs and the Eagles do very well. Yeah. They've done a really good job. Once you have your quarterback filling the pieces around them, uh, the, the, the Kansas city chiefs have certainly laid the blueprint in terms of when you get the superstar quarterback, now you're able to really, 
hey, you can take things away from him, but this doesn't impact the performance. You take a Tyreek Hill, who everyone in the league would love to have on the perimeter. You take him away and his numbers explode. He has over yeah. 40 touchdowns. He puts up another 5,000-yard season with Travis Kelsey kind of being the only guy that can anchor it. And so you have to make sure that when you draft a quarterback, if the quarterback is special, you understand that because it allows you to make decisions down the road when you have to pay him. Uh, I think the lesson to be learned from the Philadelphia Eagles is investing in the trenches, the trench warriors, the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, you look at the amount of first-round picks that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have expended on those positions it used to be a thing where they always are going to take someone that is big in those early rounds. And of late, they've, they've taken some of those guys, but they've also taken playmakers. But the one thing that they have done is they've thrown every resource at those positions, draft picks, free agent signings. Uh, they've traded to acquire, yep. I mean, anything and everything, but they want to make sure that they have enough blue chippers on both lines to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And let's be honest, when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they bully bullies at the point of attack. On offense with that offensive line, Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and Jordan Mailata. And then on defense, you just think about the guys that rotate in. Ready. I mean, Josh Sweat or whatever. And so you can never throw enough resources at those places because they match your other areas if you can dominate at the point of attack. And, and, and that's why I think, you know, one of the directions that you just you kind of always consider when you're doing, you know, when you're looking rounds one through three, you're looking offensive line or defensive line and maybe both. And you can't go wrong with it. There just aren't mm-hmm. as many of those guys at the highest levels, um, you know, of the rankings. You know, they're just those guys don't grow on trees. You know, that's why, you know, every now and then you can find a running back in the seventh round. It's, it's more rare to find, you know, a 10 year starting left tackle in the seventh round. Um, so you just, you just don't, you, you know, those, those things are harder to find from the big fella perspective. And, uh, yeah, the Eagles have done a, a really nice job with that on both sides, particularly with how they've supported the defensive front this year, you know, the in-season acquisitions of Linval Joseph, Adamic and Sue, you know, Robert Quinn, you know, mm-hmm. coming back and then you draft Jordan Davis to go along with the stalwarts that have been up there and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Um, and then you find a good edge rusher and Josh Sweat, you know, on day three, Man, you feel pretty good about that kind of stuff. So, you know, kind of keep doing those sorts of things. You know, if you're the if you're the Raiders here, but you've got good foundational pieces, mm-hmm. right? You find the quarterback, and like you are there in the foundational pieces on offense and defense. And now it's about supporting and finding that supporting cast around them. Uh, let's finish this thing up here this week, Buck, by just looking at a couple of our favorite performances uh, from All-Star Game season, knowing that the HBCU Legacy Bowl is still to come mm-hmm. later this month. We'll get to that down in New Orleans. But um, the biggest game, some of the bigger games are already completed, Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll kind of start us off with, uh, with one from the Shrine and one from the Senior that I really liked. And, uh, and you look, from the Shrine Bowl was Xavier Valade. And he really exploded in the game that we called on NFL Network. And mm-hmm. he was the leading rusher. He had some big-time runs. I had kind of pegged him as more of a third-down type of back based on his past game production at Arizona State. He had almost 1,000 career receiving yards, 88 career receptions. But he showed – I mean, like, he showed that he could be a complete 
back, which I think is really important for him. Maybe somebody that ends up in that Isaiah Pacheco type role in terms of value and impact that he could have early on in his career. So X validates one from the shrine and I'll go running back again from the senior and Tajay Spears. I mean, you want to talk about game breaking speed and ability Mm -hmm. that dude from Tulane has it. And I think he's a day two pick now round two, round three, I think maybe X is probably a day three type of guy. So, but still, man, those are some fun dudes to watch. Yeah, really fun, really fun to watch and having tracked uh, both of those guys throughout the regular season. You can see where the excitement uh, would happen in the meeting room if those guys are available when you talk about day two, day three, uh, because they have talent. And we also know the sweet spot for the running backs anywhere outside of the first round. Teams are looking for the guy that can give you a lot of bang for your buck, uh, particularly a young guy. And so whether it's a Kenneth Walker type uh, that was able to right. get it done in Seattle as a second round pick. Where's it Isaiah Pacheco who was able to get it done as a later round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. Teams have kind of found a value and production at those positions. And so it'll be interesting to watch those guys. But I'm always going to come back to, from a defense standpoint, it's about the pass rushers. And so we talk about right there in that stadium, in Allegiant Stadium, we had an opportunity to look at Caleb Murphy and B.J. Thompson put on shows their ability to create chaos at the line of scrimmage, to be able to be disruptive at the point of attack, to do some of the things that you certainly have to do. And when I look at the Raiders team and I think about Chandler Jones and I think about Max Crosby and I'm trying to figure out where is the other production going to come from, you just want to make sure that you expend enough picks to give your guys a chance. And the Raiders certainly have enough value, have enough opportunity to upgrade that. And so, You just want to make sure that you can find that. So all-star game season pretty much in the rear view. And up next, uh, we continue looking ahead to the NFL scouting combine from Indianapolis coming up uh, in the beginning of March. Got the HBCU combine on the way as well that you and I are Mm -hmm. part of. Excited to see uh, some of those skill players kind of showcase their stuff as well down in New Orleans. So we'll be a part of all of that here for you. We'll continue our positional breakdowns and our Raiders mock draft pieces as we continue uh, here on this Raiders Draft Podcast episode coming at you next week. Thanks so much for being with us here as part of the Raiders Podcast Network. For Bucky Brooks, I'm Rhett Lewis. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation.